Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. Every other Sunday, we'll release an episode of the podcast featuring an interview with a business owner in the food industry. From restaurants, to breweries, to bakeries, and everything in between. We ask them about their journey and the process of becoming a successful business owner in hopes of helping others to do the same. I'm Mike Curtin, and the podcast starts now. Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, Please do so so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. All links to those and podcast platforms can be found on ChewBrewerStew.com. Thank you for joining us for episode number 15 of ChewBrewerStew. Today I sit down with Dave Lopez, co-owner of Gun Hill Brewing Company in Bronx, New York. Dave talks to us about the current coronavirus situation and how it's affecting his business and his employees. So here it is, episode number 15. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is Chew Brewer Stew, and today I'm with Dave Lopez, co-owner of Gun Hill Brewing Company. Kieran Farrell and Dave Lopez met as teammates on New York Thunderdogs, a semi-pro baseball team based out of New York. One day they were both sitting around having a beer, and the idea came about to open a brewery. They came up with a business plan in 2012, started asking people closest to them if they wanted to invest. In January 2014, they opened Gun Hill Brewing Company, becoming the first production brewery in the Bronx since 1961. And here we are today. How's it going, Dave? <laughs> it's going all right. Going all right. All right. Uh, Dave is joining us through telephone today due to the uh, COVID-19 social distancing of 2020. Uh, so let's like get right into it, man. Uh, I figure right off the bat, I kind of ask you right away. Uh, I know a lot of breweries are doing deliveries, and a lot are open for canning, growling, or pickup. That's you guys are doing that right now, correct? Yeah, right. that's pretty much all that we can do. Right. So um, I know, although, although you still have that business, uh, how bad has this virus and economic shutdown affected your company? I mean, it's been it's been pretty 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 frustrating just because we basically our distribution business has essentially come to a halt and distribution for us was more than 60% of what we were what we were doing um, so in the last two weeks it, is, it has been noticeable difference because our, our distributor right now they're able to still move they're still able to move package product to some stores right but you know, a lot of what we do is draft, and there are just not bars buying draft right now because right. a lot of them are closed, or they're buying package instead of buying kegs because they don't have the ability to fill growlers or crowlers or anything at, at their at their bars. Right. So, uh, is there talk between uh, like you and Kieran, or you and other breweries about the concerns for the future of the companies? Just, I mean, for the immediate future and and basically if there's a bailout how much it will really help you guys well i mean i think we're still trying to figure out what look the, the at the end of the day the most important thing uh is what landlords are going to be willing to do right and what kind of relief landlords are, are going to be willing to give if if landlords are insistent upon people paying their rent and everything else whether it's uh like keg rentals or anything like that where, where you're if they're, if they're still requiring you to pay during this time they're going to see a lot of breweries that are that are going to suffer um, um and again i don't i haven't read the exact language yet of of the bailout 
um, that's supposed to be coming. I, the last thing I just saw was that it might be blocked yet again. Of but um, <laughs> I've heard a couple of different things. One that they're they're talking about giving small businesses, and I would imagine that breweries would fall under that category, and bars and specifically bars yeah, and restaurants. I would believe so. Um, I think that they're that they're giving it, it's a loan. However, I there was wording I believe that if you were using it to keep people on payroll, it would probably be forgiven and you wouldn't have to pay it back. I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate. Right. I don't know what the dollar amount of that would be. Um, but that that was one thing that I heard that was being kicked around. Right. So are you are you having to let some people go at, at the moment is that affecting you at all yeah i mean unfortunately it's just uh, the reality at the moment like we've had to stop production we we were fortunate unfortunate that we had a bunch of beer in the tanks so what we did was we started we were already scheduled to can a bunch of beer we just canned more than what we were planning on canning uh but until we have some sort of clarity as to when we can start really distributing again and when bars and restaurants are going to be able to operate again there's no real reason to 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 brew because we especially because we also still have product at our distributor so if we need to take something back from our distributor to make things to be able to sell more in the tasting room we'll do that right um so we've, we've had to at least temporarily let some staff go um yeah it's tough it's really tough yeah it's really tough Especially because it's not like they can just go somewhere else. Right, exactly. Everybody's there is nowhere else home. right now. Yeah, this is uh, it's crazy times. Um, if you, I mean, it's a little depressing. Uh, but if you, I would like to shift to uh, happier times, <laughs> if we could, uh, when you first opened, uh, neither Kieran or yourself uh, brewed, correct? Correct. So, why a brewery? So as you mentioned, uh, we we met on on playing baseball on a baseball team, right? Um, and one of our teammates was actually a home brewer. Okay. And he had brewed beer for his wedding that I was at, and I had I thought it was it was pretty good, and I had always just said, hey, if you decide that you ever want to start selling beer or do something with in making beer and, and opening a brewery or anything like that, let me know because I would definitely be interested in, in being involved in it. And two years later, he, he called me up. Um, he was actually no longer playing on the team, but it was during baseball season. And he called me and he said, I think I'm ready to, to leave my job and do this full time. And so I mentioned it to Kieran during baseball season and we were both looking to, to start our own business, try and be our own bosses, if possible, get out of the corporate world. And we started as we started doing research, we were like, okay, there are five or six breweries in New York City right now, and there are 84 in San Diego. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure New York City could use a couple withstand, more. Could withstand a few more breweries opening up and still be okay. Yeah. And so the more research we did, the more we're like, okay, this is this could be a really good opportunity for us to do something where there is a market demand for it and we can bring a different element to the business than just being the brewers who are really good at brewing beer but don't know the, the business side of things. Right. So we tried to um, 
to open with this other friend of ours, and we just had a little bit of a different difference of opinion on um, how to form the company. And so we ended up not doing it with him because he needed a lot more than what we thought was needed to uh, to start. And we ended up going in, in a completely different direction and looking for a, a professional brewer who had been doing it for for a, for a while who could come in right away and really focus on taking care of everything on the the production side of the business while we handled everything on the business side right and that kind of that kind of worked out for you really well because uh you opened in 2014 and i think was it in denver the beer festival you guys wound up having a uh, a gold rated beer correct uh yes we ha- we had a we won a gold medal at the great american beer festival six months after we opened that's gotta what kind how did that feel uh it was it was pretty satisfying i mean i think we were very very surprised we the guy who we had hired at the time he uh he definitely had a reputation for the specifically for the style that we won he had won in the past so we, we we knew that there was a possibility, or we knew that this was something that could come. But I don't—I just don't think we thought six months to in, into opening that we had a legitimate chance, or that we didn't—we certainly didn't expect it. Right. I would say so. It was—it was nice because it, it gives you instant credibility. Uh, right. Right. Which was great. Six months in. So as we're, trying, as we're trying to make a name for ourselves. Right. Well, you started—you started asking people in in 2012 to invest family and associates and whatnot um what was the morale of the people as you were going to them what response were they giving back to you so that that was actually when we first were doing it that was the thing that we thought was going to take us the longest when we were in the whole startup process right and i think we were shocked at how many people were willing to get involved and wanted to get involved um because they just thought it would, it was cool to be able to say that they owned a small part of a brewery, um, that they could come in and drink free beer, and be able to go out to bars and say that they were part, they're part of that. So it, it, the response was actually it was it was very very well received, which right. probably which probably means that we we under we undersold ourselves a little bit, but. <laughs> What was what was something that you never thought that you were going to have to deal with when opening a brewery? The biggest challenge when we first got going was some of the some of the personalities that we had to deal with. Right. In internally, really, and I don't think we fully expected because of our backgrounds. We just weren't used to dealing with I would say the more artistic side of people. Okay. We're both, Kieran and I are both from the, the business finance world. Right. And in, in that world, you're, you're only as good as your response time. Gotcha. So if, if, you, if you don't answer an email, if you don't answer, call someone back or answer a text message in, in, in short order, there's a strong possibility you're going to miss your opportunity to, to do whatever you need to do. Right. Um, Communication being very key. <laughs> exactly, and and here there's such a lax attitude. I think in in that you know you would send an email and to a, a 
let's say, a su- supplier, a malt company or a hops company, and you'd expect to get an answer within a couple hours, and it takes a day or two to get an answer back. Right, right. And I think we're just just not, we were just weren't used to that. Or, or you, you have a question about something that you're brewing or what's coming up, and it's more just sort of, uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We'll see how everything flows, and and we'll get back to you. And we we were very much more like regimented, and we wanted to we want when we asked a question, we we were expecting to 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 know the answer sooner rather than later. Um, gotcha. And I think like one of the things that that I see particularly like so I'm I'm on the I'm on the board of the New York City Brewers Guild, okay. and there are a lot of times where people will send an email out and they'll ask a question. And I sit there and I have my phone with me and the email pops up and I just answer it right away. Right. And people are always still to this day, even after you know knowing me for six plus years, they're shocked at how quickly I'll answer something. Right. And it's just it's just the way that we're wired where we we expect an answer, so we want to give an answer as fast as possible. We want to be able to communicate as fast as possible. Right. Is was that is that like a hard hard adjustment for you having to deal with that? Like kind of that, that weight I know I mean, as New Yorkers, you you grew up in New York, correct? Yes. Okay, so as New Yorkers, I know it's like that response time, that quickness is is important. You know, like we, I think we're just it's kind of embedded in us. Yep. It was hard. It was hard at first. Um, I think I've I've gotten used to it a little bit. Right. It, it's still one of those things where there are definitely instances where it's still drastically crazy if I don't get an answer uh, to something, particularly like the one that. The thing that drives me nuts is when you're communicating with someone and you're having a back and forth, and then bef- you know you you respond within a minute or two of them responding to you, and then you don't get a, any sort of response <laughs> for another day, and it's like right. I, I know you saw this because you were just talking to me, so what are we doing here? Yeah, right. <laughs> what do you what do you think so far has been uh, one of the biggest lessons you've learned in this business? I think it has made me appreciate all different kinds of personalities, I would say. Right. Um, I think it's also made me appreciate that sometimes it's, it, even though you might want to go with your gut and go with your first instinct, sometimes taking a step back and thinking about the bigger picture is, is oftentimes more important. Um, even when you need to make decisions kind of quickly, you need to sometimes slow yourself down and the the response you want to give is not always the response that you should give. Right. So you think uh, on on top of that, how important is a, a mental break from, from all this for you? Is this something that you need or is it something that you just, you know? There are, it, it sort of, it, it ebbs and flows, I would say. Like there, there are times where uh, I mean, look, as a business owner, you're never, you never really take a mental break because there's always something going on that you need to be thinking about, or there's always something you could be thinking about or could be working on or, or could be trying to improve. But it's the same thing as anything. And that's why people have vacations or why people go on vacations because they need to recharge. Right. And I think that in a lot of times taking a little, a brief mental break, even if it's just for a day or two, it, it gives you gives you new perspective on things. Right. How would you say you you go about staying ahead of your competition? I mean, I think that right now that's 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 a great question, and I I don't I don't have a great answer because I think it's just it's so 
it's so difficult right now to, I guess the answer is we try and be as innovative as possible in what, in what we're brewing. Right. We try and come up with as many different ideas or events that are different. Like I'll give you an example. We just did this past January, um, we hosted a barrel-aged beer festival at the brewery. So we, we had 21 or 22 breweries from all over the East Coast at, at Gun Hill, and everyone brought two barrel-aged beers. That was wow. all you could bring was barrel-aged beers. Sounds delicious. There's, there's no one, there was no one here doing that, and that was something right. that we were like, okay, why not? Let's. That's something that that could be, as you just said, delicious. It could be a great, uh, a great way to get more people to come to Gun Hill, and then to also introduce them to all these other brands. A lot of them are people that we're friends with, so we try and do things like that. Try and just get as creative as we can get, and then also try and push the envelope a little bit with with styles of beer that we're making or varieties of beer without um, without going too far off the reservation because it does need to be able to move in, in bars and restaurants and stores. Gotcha. So, Dave, who do you think uh, inspired you the most? Where do you get your drive from? In the beer industry or just in life in general? In life in general. Uh, I mean, it's, it's cliche, but I have to say it's from my parents. Right. Uh, because it is. I mean, that's something that they just always instilled in me from a very young age through schoolwork and then through through sports was just to always kind of keep my head down and, and push forward. And being, as you said, being a New Yorker, but being a New Yorker, being an athlete, it, there's a competitive drive that I have that, right. that really uh, pushes me, which, again, has to come to, to a certain degree from, from, my, from my folks. And who do you think who's who's inspired you in the, in the beer industry? Oh, I mean, it's it's definitely it's it's weird. It's it's changed over the years. I mean, as I've as I've been in the industry for longer and I've gotten to know more and more people, there are definitely people who um, maybe at, at one point I I was more inspired by or, or wanted to be more like. And I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, um, I, I think things have changed just so much since we opened in terms of how the business has evolved. You know, when we opened, it was definitely the, the distribution model was definitely a bigger deal than it is now. Now it's it's much more localized and tasting room driven, right. I right, would right. say. Yes. So, you know, when, when we first started, I think we we definitely looked at uh, Captain Lawrence or uh, even on a bigger scale, like a, a dogfish head or a stone as, as someone who was, was the model to follow. Right. And Those now, are not, not too, I, I think, not too bad a places to look either. So no, 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 of course <laughs> not. And, but now I think, you know, there, there are a lot of these local breweries that are in the area that we kind of, our friends with, or we look, we look at, and, and we try and and say, wow, they're they're doing a really good job. They're doing it right. How do we sort of emulate them in some ways? And it, just to, to take it on a much smaller level, like I'll say, um, there's there's some guys out in Long Island, Destination Unknown, that oh, we're yeah. very good friends with. Dubco, uh, right? Yep, and yeah. and I think you know, I think they do a great job. Um, down in in Jersey, there's there's Icarus, 
Um, okay. Again, guys that, that we're friends with, but they're doing a really, really great job. And, uh, they have really robust tasting rooms, and I think that's something that, that we would love to be able to emulate. Gotcha. So was there a, uh, a defining moment of success for you? And uh, also, how do you how do you really define success? Those are good questions. Um, <laughs> was there any, mean, any one moment that kind of sticks out that like made you think like, wow, this is a, a defining moment in the sense of this would give you recognition? Um, I mean, I think I think for us, we had we had a couple of and they were right around the same time even was first one was we um, we did a beer with the cast of Hamilton, the Broadway show. Okay. And aside from just being a really cool experience, that that was big just because of how big Hamilton was becoming at right. that time. Yes. So that yeah. that got us a ton of publicity, um, and people from all over the country were asking about how to get their hands on that particular beer. Uh, I think another thing was shortly thereafter we got our beer into Madison Square Garden. Um, That's great. Which was which was also I think. It was pretty uh, exciting, and it was definitely a defining moment for us. I mean, they've they've subsequently changed the beer program again right. um, at the Garden, so it's not there at the moment. But it was there for a couple of years. Um, but those are just on a, on a larger scale. Those are definitely and every any time we win an award, it's definitely um, it helps define and shape who we are as a company. Right. So, how do you go about your strategies for marketing? Um, we, we, and again, there's a lot of it is, uh, piggybacking off of what other, how other people do Like we see something that's successful, we, we try and emulate it, um, with, while maintaining our own individual voice. But a lot of, of what, what works these days is, is really just social media. Okay. Um, you know, we don't have, we don't really have the budget to be able to go and, and pay for for mass marketing stuff or, or anything like that. Right. So we have to keep it and try and be as creative as possible. Okay. And what do you think's been the biggest change in the last five years for you in the industry? Oh, well, I think I think the biggest change in the last five years has been the, the sheer number of breweries that have opened up and that have made it a much more uh, localized product right. than it than it was. So you forget about being out of state I, I just mean even in state like you go to any of these places and there's so many brands that um that you see that didn't exist or that can can have support here so there's the shelf space is just that much more competitive right so uh if somebody was trying to open up their own brewery what advice would you give them don't do it. No. <laughs> don't do it, especially right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely, definitely don't do it right now. Although you could probably you could probably get some used uh, equipment pretty cheap. Right. Um, yeah. Advice: I, I would I would say don't have expectations of trying to grow on this massive scale. Know know what direction you want to go in. Know what you're good at, and really focus on that. It is true, even in this industry. Location, location, location. Right. You're gonna have to have a tasting room. You you want to be in in a really good location to, to drive people there to build to have that sense of community. All right. Well, uh, you said you you had a funny story for us. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's 
part funny, part disappointing, but um, the tragedy into a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we we were very fortunate that for the first, I guess, three, two and a half, three years, we never had to dump dump a batch of beer. Right, and uh, we, I guess, it was in the winter. 2017 maybe 20 yeah 2017 and we had just brewed a batch of beer that was all new york state ingredients and it was made it was going to be made for new york city beer week okay and it was about 12 30 at night and i get text message and a, and a phone call from my partner from kieran and also from one of the bartenders and i'm like this is weird no one ever calls me at this hour so let me figure out what's going on and the bartender was freaking out and because he thought that the brewery was about to explode. <laughs> and okay. so he, he, Kieran's like, look, I'm uh, upstate. Can you go, do you mind checking out? So yeah. I was like, yeah, if, if the brewery is about to explode, yeah, somebody better be there. We better go check it out. So I got in my car and I drove up to the brewery at 1230 at night. Um, and I get there and, the, the the bartender is, is literally standing outside the brewery having a cigarette, like walking back and forth. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, oh, I don't know. I just think that one of the tanks are about to explode and I had to get the hell out of there. So I go into the back and I see nothing but beer just spewing out of one of the fermenters oh, everywhere. Man. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea if this is a if this is a pressure situation or what. Right, right. So I I'm calling the assistant brewers. I'm calling the brewer. I'm like FaceTiming with them, showing them showing them the, the tanks, and they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but I, you know, I, I think you just gotta let it go and and you know we'll we'll check it out after it dies down. It just needs to just let the beer go. So they we ended up just letting the beer continue to spill out overnight. And they came in uh, on Monday and they, they opened up the tank and nothing exploded or anything. And it was all because the rubber gaskets around the manway hole, the, the thing that seals the, the fermenter up, right. had a couple of, of holes in them. Um, so I had, we had this potential scare of the, the brewery exploded, blowing up and tanks exploding, but it was all because of a couple of holes so that there was oxygen getting into the tank. Oh, my God. And the beer just started the pressure got in there and the beer just started coming out of the, the manway hole yeah that sounds pretty miserable <laughs> yeah and so we obviously couldn't save any of the we, no. there was still beer in the tank but at that point it gets oxidized and you don't know what else is going to happen to it so right right we had to we had to we had to dump the rest of that so that was that was the first time we've ever had to to dump beer and the only only time that we've ever completely dumped a batch of beer in six years that's a pretty good ratio man i gotta say well we we've had one instance where we've uh rather than than continue to to ferment it and put it out there we've we've distilled the beer instead and made it into beer whiskey so we're still Hmm. we were still selling it but just not as beer right all right well i got uh the quick fire five for you which is where i ask you uh five quick questions and uh, just like one, two, four word answer. Okay. Ready? Yep. Okay. Uh, one. One beer from your brewery that you'd suggest people try. 
Uh, any beer that you made? Um, if you've never tried Mosaic Soft Serve, you need to try Mosaic Soft Serve, which is a session IPA. Okay. Uh, favorite style of beer? Uh, I will still say IPA. Okay. Favorite seasonal beer? Uh, Mexican lager. Okay. Favorite brewery in Long Island? Uh, that's easy. I'm going to say Dubco. Okay. Uh, since you played semi-baseball, who is your favorite baseball player of all time? My favorite baseball player of all time? Well, I am I'm a big Mets fan. Really? And, uh, you're, in, you're, in I, good, you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a little disappointed right now with the Noah Syndergaard news. Oh, of course. But um, I'm going to say that my, my favorite player of all time um, probably Gary Carter. The kid. Awesome. Yep. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, uh, Dave, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, thank you for being my first interview that I, I was able to do in my sweats, man. That's pretty special. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm glad to help you out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, stay safe and uh, stay healthy and, and best of luck. Um, I hope this all, you know, rolls over pretty quickly, man. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. So that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're able to take something away from that interview as you will with every interview. Special thanks again goes out to Dave Lopez from Gun Hill Brewing in the Bronx. If you're on lockdown during this quarantine and you're in the five boroughs, check out Gun Hill's Instagram page for a link to get beers delivered to your front door. Every other Sunday I'll be posting a new podcast, so stay tuned and like I said, subscribe, and you'll never miss another episode. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts for video clips of the interviews. Also, if there's something you're curious about knowing from the owners, then I want to ask it. You can email me directly at chewbrewerstew.com. Once again, I'm Mike Curtin for Chew Brewer Stew. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.